Thank you for tuning in to the Believer's Church of Johnson City podcast. We are grateful you stopped by. Regardless of where you are in your faith journey, we hope today's teaching is both challenging and also encourages you to move closer to Jesus. You can subscribe to the podcast if you want weekly messages, leave a review of your experience, and if you wish to become a giving partner, you can do so by visiting our website at believerschurchjc.com. And of course, we want to encourage you to come see us in person. We are located at 6110 Kingsport Highway in Johnson City, Tennessee. As always, we hope you enjoy today's message. Eighty percent of what you do every single day, eighty percent, could be done by anyone else. Makes you feel really special, doesn't it? Fifteen percent of what you do could be done by someone else with a little bit of coaching or or shown how to do that. But 5% of what you do is stuff that only you can do. 5%. And it's that 5% and how you spend it that matters. Meanwhile, one in five Americans, 20%, read the Bible regularly. 39%, a little more than a third of Christians, read the Bible regularly. Very, very low number. Now get this. The number one indicator of spiritual growth is a habit of daily Bible reading. Number one. And it is the reason that I chose to use this spiritual practice this spiritual discipline with our spring practice first. So not fasting, not giving, not praying, but a habit of daily Bible reading reading is the number one indicator of spiritual growth in a person's life. Now, Bible reading is not in the 80% or even in the 15%. No one else can read the Bible for you or create spiritual growth in your life. A choice to read your Bible daily will do more than just about anything to create the conditions for spiritual growth in your life. I'll say that one again. A choice to read your Bible daily will do more than just about anything else to create the conditions for spiritual growth in your life. So, if enough Christians made that choice, if enough Americans made that choice, think about the impact that it would have on the church and think about the impact that it would have on our country. If you are concerned about the direction of our country, the spiritual atmosphere of your home, your ability to influence your kids, then start with your own habit of daily Bible reading. That is the 5% that you control. And this habit is a game changer. So we're in week four of a spring practice, which does happen to be 
Scripture. If you're new with us, what we are doing is every spring and every fall, as part of our core value, spiritual formation, we are taking a spiritual discipline, something we can use to become further students of Jesus, and we're not just talking about it. The point is to incorporate this into our regular lives the same way that Jesus or early followers of Jesus would have practiced. The first three weeks, which we're, we're through now, were based on learning. And what we focused on were the origins of Scripture. Where is it that Scripture comes from? How is it that Scripture was actually uh, placed together? Controversy surrounding Scripture and the importance of reading through the lens of context. Again, I wasn't here last week, but if you do want to go back and listen to the message on context, I did something in the office. It's about 19, 20 minutes long, and it is worth it to listen because context is such an issue. Now, today is what I'm excited about because today we begin the three weeks of application, not learning, but application. So we're going to talk about today, we're going to talk about study. Next week, we are going to talk about a daily rhythm. And then in the sixth week, we're going to talk specifically about obedience or application. So what I want to do is go back to a passage that we should be familiar with at this point, and that's 2 Timothy chapter 3. All right, for two weeks, the first two weeks, we looked at verses 14, 15, 16, and 17. Today, I want to go to verses 15, 16, and 17. So this is the third time we're just going to leave out the first verse. And this is what the passage tells us. You can follow on the screen, or if you'd like, you can follow uh, in your Bible or on your phone, however you want to do that. And this is another thing. Let me say this about this, about this series. There is something, and call me old-fashioned, but there is something about hearing the pages turn. There is something about carrying a copy of Scripture with you where you go. I use my phone on a regular basis, especially when I'm doing devotions when I'm out sometimes or when I'm with the guys on, on Wednesdays with the tech and band guys. A lot of times I'll use my phone. But what I want to encourage you to do, even though I know a lot of people are going to screens and a lot of people are going to their phones, is to try to bring, if you have it, a copy of Scripture with you. And if you don't have it, let me know. And we will provide you with a Bible that's for anybody in here. I don't care if it's 50, 60, 70 people, anybody online, we would love to, to, to be able to give you a Bible. Okay, so here's what the passage says. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 15, 16, and 17. And, now, and how from childhood you have known the sacred writings, this is Paul talking to uh, Timothy, you have known the sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God, or if you're reading the NIV, God breathed, which is also a good translation of, of that part, and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. 
So I was trying to write something down on my hand and was not able to see well enough before I came up here because this has been a question that is not in my notes, but I've thought about over and over throughout the week. And this is really what I want you to get through this series, especially as we start to talk about application. Whenever you go through a hard time, like let's say that you're the kind of person that really, really struggles with just complete out-of-body experience anxiety that is horrible. Or you're going through a really, really difficult time in your marriage. You're not sure because of this virus if your job is still going to be here or maybe you've already lost your job. You're going through a difficult time with a relationship with a friend. Whatever this might look like, the question that I have is, where do you go in those moments? Where do you go? Now, some of you, you go to Netflix all right? And you just kind of, you, you, you drowned it out right here. You numb it. Some of you start scrolling through your phone and you're just scrolling through your phone like crazy and you're reading the news, you're on social media, you're looking up uh, sports scores, you're, you're, you're doing whatever. That's what some of you do. Others of you return to toxic relationships because you know that you're in a situation in which things are bad, you don't feel well, and even though this person is not good for you, this friend, this boyfriend, this girlfriend, this ex, you go there. All right, we have all of these different places that we go. So what I am hoping, and I'll talk about this, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but that's okay, because I know this is the direction of the Spirit, that 39% of Christians that read on a regular basis, this is my goal for this series, We want to turn at Believer's Church that 39% into 75%. So what I mean by that is that the adults, even the teenagers that are in this room right now, if you were to ask three of the four people in this room if they have a daily habit, and listen, we all miss days, don't get legalistic, and go to your prayer closet and punish yourself if you miss a day. All right, we all miss a day. But you're looking to be a student of Scripture every single day of my life. My hope for this series is that three out of the four people in this room right now, listening online, that are part of our church, those that are not with us right now, and those that will be with us in the future. And there are going to be a lot more people with us in the future. That three out of four people will be able to say, I don't always understand it. It, Sometimes it's a little bit boring. Sometimes I question why I'm doing it. But yes... It is a habit that I have on a regular basis. But if we're going to look closely at this passage that we were just in, um, I want us to look at a clear meaning in one sentence when I ask you guys where you go. Because the point that I was making is that you need to go here. Not to the bar, okay? Not to the drug, not to the toxic relationship, not to the mind-numbing screen, but that you can go here for your answers. The primary means of defense against error is God's written word. Listen, this is a basic. This is, this is Christianity 101. This is the most basic fundamental thing that you have to understand if this is a path that you are choosing for your life. When you want to understand what is right, what is wrong, what is good direction, what is bad direction, what's a good relationship, what's a bad relationship, good decision, bad decision, anything like that, you have an instruction book. 
Now we see here that the scripture is God inspired. And as the NIV says, it is God breathed. breathed. The expression breathed out is literally the Greek word theo, God, phanistos is the word. Pneuma actually means to breathe. Okay, so it's God breathed. So this is what we believe about scripture. Because in week one, I told you guys, and I probably sowed a little bit of doubt. I hope I did. I hope I made you think about this book and not just assume that it was a book that one day fell from the sky. But even though it's written over centuries, even though it has a number of authors, even though, as we said, certain committees and groups of people came together to put the Bible together as we understand it, that what we believe is that every single sentence... Every single word in this book has meaning for the believer. And when I talk about meaning, I talk about Holy Spirit power to heal the sick. Holy Spirit power to restore a marriage. Holy Spirit power, when used the right way, to take a broken, hurting church and make everything well. So I want you to think about it this way, okay? When you're in a place of moral decision in your life, and you make the decision to go to the Bible for answers, it will provide wisdom in decision-making. You're making decisions every single day about how to spend your money. Do you have any idea how many times that Beth and I have been in a situation where there has been something that we have wanted or something that we have needed, and we have recognized there is a possibility this could take away from our tithe to the local church. So it's not an option. We're just going to have to wait, because we don't take what's God's. A situation when we've said we have got to make a decision about what we are going to do with the future of one of our kids, an important decision within our own marriage, and this is where we go for wisdom in decision-making. And when you do this, I promise it will lead to the fullest realization of self, who you are, who you were meant to be. See, we think we know ourselves. We think we have all of this information about who we are. Wait until the Spirit and this Word cut you to the bone and things start to pour out that you never knew existed. And all of a sudden you're like, that's me. And I didn't know it was me, but the spirit is breathing these things onto me. And I never knew I had that. I never knew I had compassion, just to be completely honest with you. I, knew I, I never knew I had the ability to experience true joy. But it's like the spirit works with you through this book and everything just starts to bleed out that was never there before, that feels like it's not part of your genetic wiring or your DNA. That's what this book does. So it'll provide the fullest realization of self and the greatest possibility for human flourishing. And that just means well-being, happiness. A lot of the pain, a lot of the difficulty, a lot of the financial burdens a lot of the bad relationships that you go through just aren't necessary. They're not necessary and they can be avoided 
if you're willing to use this as an authority in your life. But a normal, understandable problem that people have on a regular basis, especially whenever they first accept Christ, but even some of the people that are in here right now, they, they don't know what to do with this. And like you, some of you take for granted because you've been in church, you were in church for, for nine months before you were even born. You cut your teeth on, on religion and Christianity. So a lot of things maybe make sense to you that don't make sense to others. But I had a girl sat down in my office one day at the college. She was a new Christian. She'd actually, it was one of those situations where it was an overlap that she actually, she went to our church, she became a Christian, but she was also a student at the college that I teach. And she said, I'm having a really hard time understanding the Bible. I'm having a really hard time reading it. And I said, well, well, tell me what your problem is. Like, what do you think the issue is? And she said, well, I have a copy of the KJV, the King James Version, and I opened it up and started reading at the beginning because that seems like the rational thing to do at Genesis 1. This is a girl that didn't grow up in church. I said, no wonder you're having problems. You're trying to read a translation that is really, really hard for you to understand because you've had no exposure to this whatsoever. You've not been taught about creation. You don't understand anything about creation. So instead of trying to foster this relationship with Jesus that you have, and I'm in no way taking away from the Old Testament, but it's very, very hard for someone who's just accepted Christ to take a King James version of the Bible and start trying to read in Genesis. A lot of times they're going to be discouraged in the first two or three days. And I can't remember what the recommendation was. It was a different translation and like to start in the Gospel of John or something like this, so she could really, really start to, to understand her commitment to Christ and her salvation and how Jesus worked. But people just don't know. They don't understand. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to assume that you in this room right now, even though some of you have more knowledge than I do, I'm going to make the assumption that you understand very little. And I'm going to help you with some things that I think are going to be deeply beneficial for you. So two goals just for today. And, and we will go through these quickly because of time. The first one is this. I want to discuss some, some beneficial information about study and translations that I think will really, really help you for study. And the second thing I'm going to do is I'm going to provide a cheat sheet that you are able to take with you that you can keep tucked in your Bible we have one of these, Beth put one of these on the refrigerator. You can have one at home somewhere. That if you have questions about resources, if you don't know where to start, if you don't know what websites to go to, if you don't know what apps to use, it's going to provide some resources for you. Because again, this is where we start to get into the application part. We've talked about the history of the Bible. We've talked about the origins of the Bible. We've talked about controversy context. But what does it mean when we actually get down to where we're trying to take that 35, 39% of people who read, which is a pathetic number, and turn it into a believer's church through spiritual formation, becoming students of Jesus, three out of four people wrestle with the Bible every day of their lives, or at least most days of their lives. So the first thing I want to recommend is, is a highly used and ancient way of study referred to as Lexio Divina. All right, Lexio Divina. Now, Lexio Divina is just a fancy Latin word that means divine reading. Okay, this has been, a, and you don't have to follow this path. In fact, I'm going to give you one in a second that's just a little bit more basic. 
But this is something for some of you, if you're wondering where to start, how to start, what is this supposed to look like? What kind of translation do I look at? Is there an order whenever I actually study? Okay, how do I do this? So this is an ancient monastic practice that I really like a lot. It's called Lexio Divina. Some of you have heard of it. The, the first process in this and what you do is reading. Okay, reading. It's that basic. So what this means is that you are taking a passage of the Bible... And, you, and we'll talk about how to start in a particular place, you know, here in a little while. The cheat sheet will help you a lot with that. I do not recommend if you're brand new to everything, if you make a decision, I want to read through Genesis to understand creation, or I want to read the Torah, so I'm going to read Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, that makes sense. But if you're a brand new person, that doesn't always make sense. So we think sometimes we can hand somebody a Bible. Here you go. You're a new Christian. Our church gives out new Bibles, new Christians, and they don't know what to do with it. They have no idea. In fact, as we continue to progress in society in a certain direction, we are developing, I shouldn't say developing, there's a lack of development, but there are more and more and more illiterate people. But see, we still use this churchy language like everybody knows what we're talking about, and they don't. It's a different world. It's a postmodern world where they're looking at many, many, many other things and their time on social media, their investment in other things. The Bible's not even in the picture. Okay, but on this reading part, I don't want you to, some of you I know are very ambitious. I don't want you to say, okay, I've got to read six chapters a day. I've got to read the book of Isaiah tomorrow. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. Did you know that sometimes I will just read like a little subtitled section and sometimes I will just read a single verse. So don't think about trying to read the whole Bible in three months because that makes you a better Christian. Sometimes it's little chunks. It's little pieces that you can get the most out of. And if you're trying to read a ton, you get a little bit lost with everything that you're reading. So maybe some of you, you can take in a lot. For me right now, I'm reading two or three chapters of Jeremiah Day and a little subtitled section of Luke. That's not a Bible plan. That's not any, any structured program that I'm, that I'm going through. That's just something that I'm doing right now, and it works for me. Okay, so don't, don't put a lot of pressure on yourself to do all of this reading. The second part of the Lectio Divina is prayer. And prayer is just having a loving conversation with God talking to God, talking to God about what's going on in your life, talking to God maybe a little bit about what you just read. And you know, eventually we will do, because it's going to be very important, we will do a practice, a spring or fall practice on prayer. Because it's important to understand also that prayer, it, it can look many different ways, but a lot of times it's conversational. It's just, it's just a conversation with God. You talk to, think, to God about the things that are going on in your life. Sometimes when I'm on my way home from work, I tell God before I walk in the house, please don't let me be a jerk. True story. But also when we look at prayer, it's not just this wish list of all of these things that we want. The third part is meditation. Now, please don't see yourself in a Buddhist temple somewhere in Bangladesh. That's not what I'm talking about. Meditation, just a time to really, to really be quiet. Sometimes I'll set a timer on my phone for three minutes. Sometimes I'll set it for 10 minutes. Sometimes I'll set it for longer. When I clean the house, and I clean a lot. When I'm doing laundry, 
when I'm uh, making a bed, a lot of times I will do this. There's, there's a beautiful book. Man, I wish I could think of the uh, something of liturgy. That if I, I wish I could think of what that book, uh, The Liturgy of the Ordinary, which is a wonderful book about brushing your teeth and making your bed and doing laundry and doing all these things just in the presence of God. Sort of the way that Brother Lawrence would uh, wash dishes and, and just be in the presence of God. Contemplation is the next part, and that's resting in God's presence. Just resting. Sometimes I'll take little, what I call, prayer walks. And I'll just walk outside of this church, or I'll walk out downtown Elizabethan, or I'll walk outside of my house. And I'll just take a short walk, and I don't, I don't say a word. Well, I guess that would be strange if I was by myself. But I just listen. Sometimes when I listen, I, when, I, when I run, I don't take my music, I just listen. So contemplation, again, for some of us, I know that does look more monastic and it looks more formal, but sometimes it's just shut the heck up so God can speak into your life. Put your phone down. Stop telling him everything you want. Stop coming to him out of desperation and just let that breath come upon you. And then the last part is action. And that is go and do likewise. That is application. And listen, I'm never going to tell you that this book is useless. But please understand how I'm framing this whenever I say it. If you're reading it, but never applying what it says, it's not necessarily doing you a lot of good. You have to apply what's here. Now, this next form of study, some of you may be familiar with. It's a very familiar uh, form of study, and it's called SOAP. All right? Because it's just an easy acronym to remember. SOAP. And what SOAP stands for is Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. Do any of you, just raise your hand if you use something like this. It doesn't have to be in this order. But Okay, some of you have your hands up right now. About three of you. Wonderful. All right. Because this right here, it doesn't have to be in this order. Every one of you should be doing this. Not in this order, not this thing, but, but when, you, when you read Scripture, there should be a time in which you're reading it. You got your five verses down. You've got your six chapters down. You've got whatever it is down. You're reading Scripture, and then you're thinking about what you read. You're just chewing on it. What did God mean by this? When Jeremiah said this, what did he mean? How can I, how can I really think about this as I go into my day? Application. How do I take what I read? Like I was reading in Jeremiah the other day, and I thought this was so cool, and I know there was an ancient way. I, would, I should have taken the time to look it up in Hebrew, but, but, he, but Jeremiah was talking, God was talking through Jeremiah about what to do, and he said, but the people continued to look backwards instead of forwards. And I thought, what a metaphor for our lives today, that we continue at all times to look backwards instead of what God has for us in the future. It's just observation. But then how do I apply that? How do I give that legs in my life? I think I've shared this with you guys before, but there have been times that Beth and I have had really bad arguments because when you have small kids, sometimes it's, it's really easy to do in the morning when you're trying to get everybody ready for school. And I've left, you know, burned out of the driveway, convinced I'm right. And my quiet time is usually around nine, 10 o'clock in the morning, something like that. And I start to read and I'm like, I was wrong. And the spirit like cuts me to the bone. And I have to call her, sorry, 
What'd you say? Sorry. I, I, I didn't hear you. I was being a jerk. I'm sorry. In the name of Jesus. And I need forgiveness. We have to apply what is there. And then prayer. Always have your time of prayer. Now, just a little bit about translations, okay? And listen, these two things, Alexio Divina Soap, in one way or another, in some form, not by this direct method, this has to be part of your study. It has to be. It's not as simple as open up you version. I've read my, the verse of the day today. Uh, John 3.16 is the verse of the day. That's great. Now I'm ready to hit my day. Has to be more than that. It has to be deeper than that. So a little bit about translations, okay? Um, people that are new to the Bible often have questions about translations, okay? Three different types of translations that will help you, because this is what they're asking. What can I trust? What should I read? What translation would you recommend? And I will guarantee you that if you ask several people that are in here right now what they would recommend or what they consider to be the best translation, you may get several different answers, Okay, so I'm not going to tell you what translation to read. I'm just going to explain some things that are going to be very beneficial. Raise your hand if you've ever had a question about translations before. Like, what is this? Okay, now we've got some participation going on. Good. All right, so there are three types of translations. Word for word, thought for thought, and paraphrased. Okay, word for word, thought for thought, and paraphrased. Some of you expect me to say word for word is wonderful and paraphrased is straight from the pit of hell. I'm not going to say that. Some pastors may say that. I'm not going to say that today. All right, so Ryan, if you will, pull up that. I know it's probably going to be a little bit difficult to see, but pull up that chart. I know that this is going to be a little bit hard to see, and you're definitely not going to be able to. I can send this to you later, or you can look it up yourself. But over here, you see word for word translations. In the middle, you see thought for thought. And then over here, you see paraphrased translations. I am a, a translation nut. Like, I like to use a lot of different translations, but I have two in particular, as you guys probably know about me by now, that I really, really prefer. Okay, so a word-for-word -word translation literally means that from the Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic, they're, they're trying to take it as literal as possible. It's often argued that the New American Standard Bible is the most accurate translation. That's where you KJV folks hit the door mad at me and just take off. All right? But there's also the King James Version, the New King James Version, English Standard Version, Re Revised Standard Version. These are all what you would call word-for-word -word translations. The benefit is they're very, very good with accuracy. The problem is that sometimes with some of these, they're a little bit clunky, or they're, they're a little bit hard because of, of the way that they've been translated for new people to understand them on a strong level. Next, you have what you call thought-for-thought -thought translations. The New Revised Standard Translation really falls between word-for-word -word and thought-for-thought, -thought, but when you see this Bible right here that I call Old Faithful, my John Wesley Study Bible, this is the New Revised Standard Version. This is my favorite translation. This is the translation that I study out of. Some of you that I've talked to are ESV people. Some of you are NIV people, which happens to be the most popular translation right now. The, the, the New International Version is the most popular translation. 
the New American Bible, the New English Translation, the Common English Bible. This is the Bible that I use the most. And the reason I, so a lot of you now, when, when you, we're studying together, you're using the CEB. I love this translation. And the reason I use this translation so much is because it's a little bit clearer and a little bit easier to understand than this one. So nine times out of 10, if I'm up here reading from a translation, it's going to be the new revised standard version used the most by scholars, also by most mainline denominations, or the common English Bible, which I just believe for starters, to me, it's, this is as good as it gets. It's just my opinion. All right, but I love the Common English Bible. Okay, so th these are the two translations that I use the most. And I've got a dozen or more other, other translations in there that I just, if I'm using other translations a lot now, I do use my, my phone. Paraphrase translations. A lot of you like the NLT. That's the New Living Translation. The Voice, the Message, which is Eugene Peterson translation. I love it. The New Century Version, the International Standard Version, the Living Bible. All translations that, this is my opinion, I would read any of these, okay? Personally, some wouldn't. I would read any of these, but if I'm studying, all right, if I'm studying, not trying to share with someone that doesn't know as much about translations, I am going to go to a word-for-word -word or phrase-for-phrase -phrase translation, okay? But paraphrase translations for a lot of people, uh, you know, you can research these yourself to, to, to see what you feel like might work best. Now, I'm going to ask my lovely assistants, which are Beth and Callie, uh, one to maybe start on this side and the other one to go over and start on this side. You guys can go ahead if, if, if you would, please. And they are going to give you, I'm not going to go over this right now. In fact, I was taught in college in a public speaking class, never hand out a visual aid while you're talking because then everyone will start looking at the visual aid and not pay attention to what you're saying. Well, we're breaking the rules because I want you guys to have this. I want you to be able to take it with you. I want you to be able to use it. Some of our community groups tonight are going to spend just a little bit of time talking about this. If you will take this cheat sheet, it's going to recommend some good study Bibles. It's going to recommend some good websites to go to. It's going to talk about version, which is absolutely fantastic. And I would not feel right about going through this series and talking about... You guys can go ahead and start handing those out if you want to. Um, I just think that these are absolutely fantastic. I just, I've made these in about 10 minutes and I've got a zillion copies. I made them at UPS. If you want a copy for someone else, or if you want to make, you know, type this out, take a copy of it, uh, please feel free to do so. Because what I'm looking to do that I stated earlier is to take the 39% number that we talked about and to make this into 75% Three out of four people that are in this room right now, three out of four people that are not with us right now, but are with us on a regular basis, the three out of four people that are going to come to Believer's Church in the future, the three out of four people that because of COVID or whatever reason, maybe their job, maybe they're out of town, that are following with us online. This is a resource. It's going to be hard to see in the dark too because of the paper it's printed on, but this is something that I want you to have. So remember that formation... Okay, becoming students of Jesus is one of our core values. Becoming students of Jesus, understanding Jesus. Jesus knew the Old Testament, and Jesus is the New Testament. Please understand that the daily rhythm that we're going to talk about next week is not just about knowledge and information. It's about truly applying what we are learning. 
An application is where you will see the true difference in your life. So I'm going to read one more thing that I started with uh, today that I think is, because I think it's worth reading again. 80% of what you do every day, all right, 80% of what you do every day could be done by anyone. 15% of what you do every day could be done by anyone else with a little bit of coaching. But 5% of what you do is the stuff that only you can do. And how you use that 5%, what I call gifting, matters. Meanwhile, one in five Americans, 20%, read the Bible regularly. 39%, a little more than a third, of Christians read the Bible regularly. And I want you to remember this, and I want you to take it with you. The number one indicator of spiritual growth in a person's life is daily Bible reading. Not handing out hope bags as much as we love to do that. Not even prayer. The number one indicator of spiritual growth in a person's life is the habit of daily Bible reading. Bible reading is not in the 80% or even in the 15%. No one else can read the Bible for you and no one else can create spiritual growth in your life. If enough Christians made that choice and if enough Americans made that choice, think about the impact it would have on the church our families, and our country. If you're concerned about the direction of our country, the spiritual atmosphere of your home, your ability to influence your kids, then start with the habit of daily Bible reading. That's the 5% that you control that no one else has. And that habit is a game changer. Father, we come to you this morning. My prayer is for a, a, a deep conviction in our hearts, in our spirit, to go to your word. And in some cases, God, on some days, because it calls for it, to go to your word more than once. Help us to find this rhythm that we will be talking about next week. Help us to understand the importance of application. And God, as, as, as students of Jesus, help us to, to, to be willing to, to reach out and ask other people questions. There are going to be days that are difficult. There are going to be days that we get absolutely nothing. But there are going to be days that we hurt. And that psalm or that proverb, or that teaching of Jesus, or that letter to Titus, or that word of justice of the prophet Amos, or that amazing story of Abraham is going to flip the switch and is going to change us. 
Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth. We thank you for the life that it brings. And Father, as culture continues to try to stomp it out, we thank you for the greatness of its spread. We ask these things in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We want to thank you again for listening to the Believer's Church podcast. Make sure you join us next week as we continue in this series. Also, we'd love a chance to connect with you. Make sure you visit BelieversChurchJC.com and enjoy the rest of your week.